And so uh, we continue this week, uh, week two of a series that's, that's called Light. And the whole premise of this, the, the, the premise is that, that Jesus spoke to the disciples and those who were following him um, closely during his earthly ministry. He spoke as, as the one who was light, right? That Jesus was the light of the world. He came and brought light into the world. And then, and then he turns to those that had been following him or those that were following him. And he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do, you, uh, neither do, do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And he says, in that same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so we talked last week about the light. We talked about how the, 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 this whole idea is built around that when Christ shows up, when the light of Christ showed up in this world, that it gave a perspective to see the world differently. When, when Christ shows up in our lives, that it brings light to us, but it gives us a perspective to see the world differently. And then we took up the challenge last week, the, the questions that we landed on. As we unpacked the, this whole idea of light, we asked the question, where is it the, that the light is shining? Right, where we actually orient ourselves, where we, we prioritize getting in on what God is doing. So we look around and we say, it's not just about like incidental, the, the, the light kind of like shines through me here and there kind of as I go about my life, but, but we actually orient ourselves saying our purpose is, is to be a part of the light breaking through. And so we say, where is the light shining? Where is it that God's at work? And, and what do we have to do to get in on it? How do we get to, uh, to, to orient ourselves in that kind of way? So, so we ask the question, where is the light shining? And then, and then how do we get in on it, right? To say we want to actively pursue this thing, that we want to chase after the light, that we, that we don't just get to, to experience light, but we want to be in on it. We want to, to be a part of what God is doing. And so this week we're continuing the conversation and we're talking about what it looks like to follow the light, Right? And we're not talking about some kind of abstract sense of, of light, but we're talking about the light of Christ, right? That, that God sent his son to this world to bring light in the darkness, to, to, to shine a light and to, to give us a perspective to see the world differently. So when we talk about following the light, what we're really talking about is a discipleship journey. What we're really talking about is, is, is following the light of Christ, wherever that may take us, to, to, to say, I want to get in on what God is doing. So light Following the light of Christ is discipleship. And over the course of this morning, we're going to just kind of, kind of give a bit of a foundation as we prepare to spend time in the text that we're going to be looking at this morning. But there's four key elements that will emerge as we, as we spend time looking at this passage, as we spend time listening to the kinds of invitations that Jesus gave, the kind of conversation that Jesus had with, with those who were following him. And there's these four elements. And the first one is, is this, it's, it's direction. It's direction. And, and that sounds great until we realize that that means not just that God gives us direction, that God gives us a sense of, of this is where I'm calling you to go, but it also requires a certain amount of surrender that says that means that I'm not in charge anymore, right? And for most of us, that doesn't sound like, a, like such a good idea, right? It's like, but I, I like to know where I'm headed. I, I like to know that I'm in control of this thing. I like to know that, that I'm in charge. It's, 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 I'm discovering myself. Maybe I'm discovering my own, my own purpose or my own sense of direction, but I'm not sure I like the thought of having to lay that down. But to understand the journey, to understand the invitation that's being made, to understand what it looks like to follow the light, that means that our direction is, 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 is based on what God is doing, where God is calling us, instead of, this is, this, God, this is where I want you to work, or, or God, this is where I'm already heading, and it'd be great if you would join me in my mission. But to say our direction, that we surrender that, that it, that it sounds great until we realize that, 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 there's a, that there's a surrender associated with it. We talk direction, we talk attention, where is it that we're focused, 
right? To, 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 to realize that, that we're invited to, to actually focus on some specific things, to actually focus our lives on, on things that, that, are, that matter. So we, we are confronted with what is pulling our attention away? What is it that, that we're allowing to, to take the place of what should have our attention? And so we look at this and we say, where, where am I focused? What is it that, that my life is oriented around? Where is it that, that, that I'm giving most of my attention to? to be a follower of the light, to be a, to, to be a disciple, to, to chase after Jesus, to, to chase after what he has for us requires attention. It requires us saying, I'm going to focus myself. I'm going to focus around the things that, that I should be focused on. We're such a distracted people, right? Direction, attention, affection, right? What is it that I'm, in, that I'm falling in love with more and more and more every day, right? To... to to be invited to be a disciple, to, to follow after Jesus means not just that we, that we have to obey, right? It doesn't mean that, that all of a sudden we're no longer in control of our direction, but it actually means that, that we get to fall in love more and more and more with God. That our lives, that, that we're not talking romantic affection, but we're talking what is it that, that we're oriented around? What is it that we care about more and more and more every day to, to understand that, that, that chasing after God, that, that following the light means that all of a sudden we we follow not just because we have to, but because we're falling more and more in love with God, right? That we can get there, that, that that's part of the discipleship process, direction, attention, affection, and then connection. Not just that, that we are connected, but as we grow in connection with God, that the natural outcome of that says, so how do we help other people get connected, right? If, if our job is to, in, in some ways, function as a bridge, saying I'm, I am connected with God and I'm connected with this, this other person, how do I go about bringing those two together? Because I am growing in affection, right? I'm, I'm growing in attention, all these kinds of things that, that the natural outcome of that would be, so how do I help other people experience what it is that I'm experiencing? So four key elements, not the only elements of, of discipleship, but the four elements that will show up as, as we walk through this passage to kind of have a framework and have a foundation so that when we're spending time in this passage that we're like, that's direction, right? That's, that's Jesus addressing and dealing with the direction question or that's Jesus addressing or dealing with the attention question or the affection question or, or we're seeing played out right in front of us this, this idea of connection for us to have that kind of framework, right? For us to maybe even begin to prayerfully look at that list and say, God, where is it that I need to grow? God, where is it that, that you need to, 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 to do a work in me where, where the, the things that I've been prioritizing or my sense of what this journey is supposed to look like is, is, is just needs to be re- refined in light of who you are, in light of what you're calling me to. And so we're looking at the beginning of the book of John, the gospel according to John, which is John's account of, of the life and earthly ministry of Jesus. Right, so, so this is John writing to the church saying this is, this is what happened when Jesus showed up and, and giving this, this sense of context. And, and John has such a beautiful way of writing and, and recording this, this story, the story of Jesus. It, it has, the, in some ways, if you look at the, the, the four different accounts of Jesus' earthly ministry that we have in our, in our Bible, that, that this is the one that it, it just feels a little grittier than the other four. It kind of has this, this, like, this very like, close, kind of proximate uh, experience with Jesus. It, it has more of the, you see Jesus like wrestling with things and you kind of see the, the struggle of, of the disciples. It just has this very authentic picture of the journey. But John starts and he lays the foundation for that story. He lays the foundation for his record of the, of the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. He, he lays, lays it on a foundation of, it's not just that, that Jesus did these things, but it's on the foundation of who he is, right? Historically, who he is for us theologically. And so he says this at the beginning of the book of John. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word 
was with God, right? The, the very beginning of time, the word through which the, the earth was spoken into existence. He says this, and the word, was, the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made, right? That there is this, this the, the word God spoke. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, talking about John the Baptist, uh, not John the author of the book of John, but John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. Right? John is, is laying out, this is, this is who we're talking about. He says he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Right? So there's the foundation for the story. That's the foundation on which the, the John writes the story of Jesus. He says, look, there was one who came to, to prepare the way for Jesus, but, but the light that dawned, Right? The light that, that broke through was this person of Jesus Christ that utterly consistent from the beginning of time until this moment that, that God has worked through his word, this word made flesh and dwelled among us that, that brought light into the darkness. And so then the story continues as, as, as it records the, the interactions that John would have with, with the church and the interactions that John would have with Jesus. And then it gets to the point here in verse 29 where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning. It says this, the next day, Jesus, or John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? This, this, this mission that John had, this one who was called to prepare the way for Jesus, to prepare the way for the Messiah, to point others towards him, he, he's been waiting for this moment. Right? He's been waiting for this moment to, to be able to live out his actual purpose. He says, look, behold, the Lamb of God who, who comes to take away the sin of the world. In some ways, John, is, as we would use in the language of this particular series, John is saying, look, light has dawned. There is hope. It's, it's breaking through what has seemed like darkness has, has, has come to light. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then John continues and says, this is the one. This is the one that I, that I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me, which before Jesus showed up was a confusing kind of statement, right? That how, how does that work in, in understanding the way time works? But he says, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing you with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. And John, who has kind of developed a sense of following, that there's a, a curiosity around who he is and, and what he's up to and, and all those kinds of things, that, that, that John is, is now making it very, very clear what his mission is, what his purpose is, what his calling is. He says, look, I am here to point to the light. I'm here to watch for, I'm here to look for the light and point to the light. And so my purpose is to prepare the way. Right? My purpose, the, the reason that I exist for John, it's like this is the moment that, that, that it becomes very, very clear why it is that, that God placed me on this earth. It, it's such a simple process for him because he looks and he says, I have been watching for this. Right? I have been looking into the darkness. I have been speaking into the darkness for, for my whole life. And, and here it is, the light has dawned. Christ is here. 
And so then he begins to tell his story. John's testimony that this, in this passage is broken up into two pieces. One is, is in his purpose and talking about why it is that, that he came in onto the scene. And then he begins to tell his story, starting at verse 32. It says, Then John gave his testimony. He said, I saw. This is what I saw. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And, and I myself, I, I did not know him, but, but the one who sent me, sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Then John says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. That John says, I have been watching for the light to break through. I have been watching in this darkness for the, line to dawn, the, the light to dawn because there is one who comes after me that, that, that was before me but came not just to baptize in water but to, to baptize in the Holy Spirit. This one who would initiate, who would catalyze this next move of God that would, that would shape the people of God in ways that, that people before this moment couldn't even possibly imagine what this looks like unleashed. Right? Here they are, having, been, having waited, having, having prepared, having longed for the light to dawn, and then Jesus shows up. And the relationship that we have with God, the way that the relationship works with God is, is changed in, in, in ways that, that, that would blow the mind of a person who has been living under the law. And so this one who would initiate, this Jesus who would initiate and catalyze this next move of God, this one who, who, would, who would make happen the, the, the way that we relate to God, the way that we participate in his mission as a people here 2,000 years later living in the echoes of this moment. And John says, I have seen, right? This is what I, what I have experienced. This is what I have come to understand. This is what I've come to know. But John, John doesn't stop with saying, this is what I've seen. He says, this is what I've seen, and then I testify, that I actually share my story, that I actually begin to, to talk about what God is doing. I actually talk not just about the, this thing that, that, that I have, or not, not talk about, uh, not just experience, but I actually talk about what I've experienced. I've actually allowed the light to, to dawn in my life and to shine through my life. There is this tendency we have as we, as we, as we walk the spiritual journey towards, towards God that, that we start to learn things. Right? We start to experience things, that, that we take things and we, and we treasure them because it's, it's this thing that was so utterly meaningful for us that, that we, we look and we say, I need to remember this. And we, we, we kind of keep those things. And then we fail, I think, sometimes to actually then testify to those things. That, that we, we're so good at accumulating knowledge, we're so good at accumulating experiences, and, and we're not always good at actually testifying to what we've experienced. Right? We're not always good at, at sharing the light that has dawned in our lives. And, and so there's the connection for, for John as we look at his story and we say, what is, what is it that, that maybe is missing in our story sometimes? We've kind of absorbed like sponges these experiences, and as a culture and as a people, we, we go from one experience to another, to another, to another, saying, what does this make me feel, and, and what am I looking for? Am I getting my expectations met? And we have all these inputs without thinking about what the output should be, without thinking, what does it look like to live this out? What does it look like to, to tell this story? And that's the connection when we look at what it looks like for us to bear light, for us to have experienced the light, and then to let that light shine. I have seen, which is my experience, and I testify, which is my story. And so then the next day, right, the story continues. The next day, John was, was there again uh, with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he did what he had been doing. He says, look, look, the Lamb of God. Look, it's the Lamb of God. And for Jesus, I can imagine that it would maybe be a little bit awkward. It's like everywhere I go, this guy keeps shouting, like, look at this guy. This is, like, this is happening. And, and um, 
for, for Jesus to be recognized, not just for, for his physical presence in, the, in, the, in that space, but for who he is, right? For John doing exactly what God sent John to do, saying, you are called to look for the light and point to the light. And so John says, I am compelled by my calling. I'm compelled by, by my purpose to do exactly what it is that, that God sent me to do. And so when I see the light, I'm going to call it out. When I, when I see Jesus show up, when I see the Messiah show up, I can't help but do the thing that I'm called to do. I'm going to point to the light. And in many ways, John's goal is to simply live out his purpose to, to help prepare people to find and follow Jesus, that John is, 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 is humbly saying, this is not about me, right? This is not about the, the, the disciples that I'm, I have under me or the people that are following after me. But he says, look, if you've been following me, you've been following me for the purpose that, that once the light dawns, I'm going to connect you with the real light, with the, with the one who was to come. Everything that happens in the rest of this story. And it's a significant everything that happens because this is the story of the disciples starting to follow Jesus. This is Jesus beginning to have people that would come around him that he would pour into, that, that he would prepare to carry out his mission once, once he ascended back into heaven. So everything that happens in this, in this next part of the story happens because John did his part, because John connected the people who were following him with Jesus. And it says this, that, so John said, look, the Lamb of God, and then verse 37, when, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus, which for John is such a beautiful moment, right? For John, who, was, who was, had, had come to prepare the way, for John to realize what, what those of us who, who, are, who are blessed to be able to be spiritual leaders in any kind of community, to, to realize that we get a front row seat in these moments where people move from following us to following Jesus, Right? And John gets this front row seat of, 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 of recognizing that he's not there to make his own disciples or to have his own followers, but, but he's been preparing the way. He's been preparing people and he's been preparing the way for people to follow Jesus. And I can just imagine the, the, the great joy because I've gotten to have a front row seat in these moments. I've gotten to see when, when it moves from, from I'm connected to this church and I feel connected with this community to I'm following Jesus. Right? And it does, it's such a beautiful transition. It's such a beautiful moment for, for, for the church or for, for, the, for the Christian community to see this happen. That our greatest joy, that our greatest joy is, is not when people follow us, but it's when we see people follow Jesus. For, for John to have a front row seat of watching his followers, right? After the journey that John had walked and the persecution and the, and the kind of like the, all the things that had been part of his story to now see the fulfillment of this, at least a glimpse of the fulfillment of it. This is, as people who have followed him, who had, who had been poured into by him, who had, had been discipled by him, are now following Jesus, right? Can you imagine the great joy that he would have experienced in this moment where he's like, it was never about me, right? It was never about, about what I was trying to, to see happen for my own sake, but, but whoever was my disciple, I hope that they follow Jesus, that our greatest joy, you know, John's greatest joy, is watching his followers follow Jesus. Jesus. And so turning around, Jesus saw these men following him, and he asked, what do you want? Right? This is a question that, that could echo in our lives today, where we say, well, Jesus looking at us saying, what is it that you're following me for? What is it that you actually want out of this? And it's not like Jesus wouldn't have known or couldn't, like, wasn't able to, to discern what it was that they were looking for, but in some ways, beginning this conversation, Jesus is saying, what is it you're looking for? Right? What is it that you hope to receive? What is it that you hope to experience? What is it that you want? To have to address that question, to, to, to listen and, and, and to hear it and then to, to speak back and to say, well, this is what I'm looking for. 
for us, I think it's, it's, a, it's good and it helps give us some confidence in our journey because Jesus isn't critically speaking to these, these disciples. He's genuinely asking, what is, it, what, is it, what is it you're looking for? For us to, to get before him and, and say, well, this is what I'm hoping to see. Right? For God to meet us because he does. He meets us right where we are, right in the midst of whatever motives, motives it is that, that, that drive us, whatever it is that, that brings us to this point that, that God meets us right there. And so for us to get honest before God and say, this is what I'm looking for. And for him to, to speak and say, there's probably way more to it than that, but we can start, right? We can start the conversation here. What do you want? And so then they respond and they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Right? Where are you staying? And all they're talking about is, well, if we're going to follow you, we should probably know where your home base is, right? We should probably know where it is that, that we've, we've, we're now moving in this journey. Where, where is it that, that you call home? Where is it that, that's kind of the home base for this movement? Because we've now started to follow you, that John has been preparing us, and, and now, we're, now we're following after you. And, and we just kind of want to know where you are because we, we're going to be there too, right? This is the part of following the light like we've talked about and last week and at the beginning of, of this week where it's, well, where are you? We want to be there, right? Where are you staying? And then Jesus replies, come, and you will see. Come, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. And it was about four in the afternoon. But Jesus makes the invitation. And it's such a simple invitation. He says, come, and you will see, right? Come, and you will see, which is an invitation that's, that's about way more than just lodging, right? It's about way more than, than where is our home base, but it's Jesus establishing this discipleship relationship. It's about Jesus inviting them to be part of what he's doing, and it starts with an invitation to follow, right? It starts with an invitation to lay down their own direction and, and trust the direction that's being presented to them. He says, come, and you will see that, 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 that the invitation wasn't about anything that, 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 that was what, what their desires were, but he says, you need to, to realize that you need to just start with following me, right? Come, and you will see. Because it's an invitation to follow, but it's also an invitation to an epiphany moment, a, a moment where, where they would see Jesus more clearly, where they would, would get to experience him in a way that would change their perspective, would give them a different way of seeing the world around them. And I love this moment in this passage because it's a moment that I think later on down the road is you can think like the years that would follow this story that these disciples, as they continued to follow after Jesus, that they'd maybe be sitting around a campfire on the beach as they'd been spending their day, or they're, they're having conversations as they're walking on the roads and, and would have these moments when maybe something extraordinary would have happened or something difficult would have happened, and, and they're just kind of like looking back at, at the journey that brought them to that moment. And they're like, do you remember that first conversation? Or Jesus looking at them and, and watching as the lights were coming on in their lives or they were starting to, to live out the thing that, that he was calling them to. He says, it's like, I can just imagine the conversation of, do you remember when we started? And it was like, it started with this little conversation of, where is it that you're staying? And he said, come and you will see. And that simple act of, of following, that, that simple act of followership has, has brought you so far. For me, it's, it's fun because right now I'm, I'm having a little bit of a, um, just a, a, like a, a, a reminiscing kind of experience over the last few weeks because we're about the moment uh, for us as a family when uh, God started to release us from our, our, our time in Colorado and started the process of calling us to this church, right, about a year ago uh, that, that that journey started. And, and we had this conversation this week as, as a family. We were talking and just kind of reminiscing and, and, and thinking through that whole process. And, and uh, we, had, we were talking about some 
just some of that experience last April when we were actually here in town. And uh, our girls were, we were talking about, in particular, the time on the beach uh, when we, like, roasted marshmallows and all those kinds of things. And, and the girls were like, wait, that person on the beach is, like, the same, like, now it's like a friend of ours, right? It's, not, it's like people that we, like, know, people we get to journey with. And, and it's this moment of, like, we have, like, a little glimpse of those relationships. And then now it's like we know each other. It's, it's like, kind of have to look at this and say, look, what a, what a gift it is to have grown in a relationship. What a gift it is that we get to walk together where it's not like it's just this, this kind of acquaintance that we met, uh, you know, almost a year ago to, to now it's like we're friends, right? That this is this whole thing. It's almost like to be able to look back and say, do you remember when? Do you remember when? And so I, I can imagine as, as, they, as they would go about their journey, as they would go about continuing on to, to have that kind of moment to look back and say, do you remember what that looked like? Man, there was so much that we didn't yet know. There was so much that we were still trying to sort out what this relationship was supposed to look like. And yet, look at where we are now. Right? Such a beautiful thing. Such a beautiful moment, a marker in their journey. But then Andrew, verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, uh, was, was one of the two that heard what John had said and, and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. So it started with, with Andrew now has, having followed Jesus and then, and then recognizing that it's not just about me following Jesus, but there is someone else that I should tell about him, right? I've, I've now discovered this thing. I've, I've heard and I've followed which is, by the way, the most basic definition of discipleship, to say, I've, I've heard God speak and I have acted in obedience. I have heard and I have followed. And then the first thing that Andrew did, the first thing that, that Andrew did in response to, to this new journey, to this, to this next step for him, this, this next step in the discipleship journey is to find his brother, right, to tell him. So it's really three steps. His first thing is three steps. To, step one is to find his brother, to tell him, and then to bring him to Jesus. Right? It's three very, very simple steps. I think a lot of times we make these conversations so much more complicated than what they need to be to, to, to think about what does it look like for us to bear light? What does it look like for us to, to help other people connect with, with the God that's at work in our lives? And, and we, we make it so complicated. And we, we wrap the whole thing up in fear of, of what it's going to look like and what if, what if they respond in a way that, that makes me feel uncomfortable. And, and all Andrew did was he started with, with who should I tell? Right? Who should I tell? I'm going to find them, I'm going to tell them, and I'm going to bring them so they can experience Jesus for themselves. It's not just about what I tell them. It's, it's not just about them trying to find him for themselves, but I'm going to point in the direction, I'm going, to, I'm going to speak, I'm going to tell my story, and then I'm going to bring them to experience Jesus. Three simple steps that are done in response to what, they have, what he had heard and what he had experienced. When we make it so complicated. And then Jesus, when, when Simon shows up, Jesus, uh, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, right? You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And Jesus looks at this one who's been brought to him, this one who's, who's being introduced to him. And he speaks, I know who you are, right? This is, this is who you are. This is, this is not just who you are, but maybe a mix of like who you are and where you are and all the things that mark your life. That, that I mean, I'm, I'm saying, I see you. And then Jesus speaks this, this future over him too and says, and you'll be, you will be called Peter. In some ways foreshadowing the fact that, that as Peter would follow after Jesus, that his life would be radically changed. That there was this very clear, this is kind of who you were and who you are where I met you. 
And then there is going to be so many things about your life that's going to change, right? So much so that, that your name is even going to be, you're going to be known as something different because your identity is going to be so changed by, by the interaction that I have with you. In some ways, Jesus showing such a beautiful picture of this is, this is where you are, this is who you are, but then this also, this, this idea that wherever that is isn't where you're going to end up, that there's so much more to the story, that this is where you're going or this is who you're going to be. And this whole process started with John saying, my job is to point to the light. My, John is to, my, my job is, is to prepare people to follow Jesus. My job is to, to point to Jesus when he shows up, to, to, show, to show people when the light is dawning in the, in the darkness that, that this is what's actually happening. And it's beginning to change lives. It's beginning to, to spread in this exponential kind of way. So we, we talked of four key practices or four key elements of, of discipleship, the, the direction, attention, affection, and, and connection. And, and, and to look at those woven through the story, we, we talk direction and we see the disciples, these, these first two that were following Jesus, that, that just simply follow Jesus. We talk about, God, what is it that you want from me? God, what is it that, that you're doing in my life? I wish you would show me what my next step is. And, and we talk of direction in those sorts of terms. Or we talk about what we want to see happen. And we ask God to, to bless what our desires are. We ask God to, to bless the steps that we've designed for ourselves. And what the invitation is when we look at the story, when we look at a story that, that really has everything to do with following the light, with, with becoming a disciple, we say, look, I'm just going to follow Jesus wherever that takes me, whatever that looks like, right? That, that my next step, when we talk about direction, that, that we lay those things down and we say, look, I just want to be where you are, right? And so I'm going to follow you. When the light has dawned in the darkness, I'm going to follow the light. I'm going to lay down my own sense of, of direction or, or of the direction that I would like to see things go, and I'm simply going to follow, right? Which is, which is an act of surrender, but, it, but it's going to take us to places that, that we would never have gone on our own. Because God, God is leading and God is guiding. So it starts with us following Jesus. For some of us, we're not even sure where to start. Right? For some of us, we're looking at that going, I'm not sure what that even looks like or how that, how that plays out in my life. And it could be something as simple as, 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 as listening to people who can see what we can't see yet. Right? This is John pointing and saying, this is... This is the, the lamb who, who came to take away the sins of the world, that he's speaking to people saying, look, you may not be able to see this yet. This is something that, that God has revealed to me, but you can't see it yet. But, but here's what I'm telling you. You should follow this guy, right? Because he is the light. This is the lamb that was, that was sent. So maybe what we need to do is listen to those who can see what we can't see yet. Uh, maybe a starting point would be uh, to look around and we say, who is it that we see following after Jesus Maybe we just start by, by kind of following after them, saying, well, I'm just going to kind of do the sorts of things that, that they're doing because they seem to be moving in a direction. They seem to be a person who's, who's connected with Jesus, and, and I want to I go where Jesus is going, and I can't yet see what that looks like, but, but I want to learn. So what does it look like for us to, to follow Jesus or to be around people who can help us follow Jesus? This is why discipleship matters so much. This is why small groups matter. This is why when, when we're invited to, to grab coffee with each other, to, to spend time in conversation saying, look, let me help you see what you can't yet see. And we surrender to that or we submit to that and say, I just want to take the next step and the next step and the next step. Teach me to, to listen. Teach me to see who it is that I'm following after, to lay down our own direction and to take up the direction that Jesus is going to follow him. All right, we talk attention, which means come and see. Jesus says there are all sorts of distractions. There are all sorts of distractions then. There's all sorts of distractions now. 
There's all sorts of things that, that are going to pull our attention. There's no shortage in this world of, of things that are stimulating, that, 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 that would pull our attention away from the things that really matter. And Jesus speaking to those first two disciples and, and speaking in so many ways to, to us in, in, in the midst of such a distracted world. He says, come and see, focus what you're looking at. Focus your attention on what I'm up to. Focus your attention on me to lay down the things that would be distracting, to, to, to focus our attention, to, to make sure that we're giving an appropriate amount of time in our lives to say, I want to I spend my time focusing on things that matter. We talk affection where we speak of the disciples then spending the rest of the day with Jesus, right? This is, our affection grows when we, when we spend time, right? That, that, that's, that's the environment or the context in which, in which affection grows is, is time spent together. And so we spend time with Jesus. So we follow Jesus. We, we come and see and, and we spend time with him. That we look and we say, what is it that, that I'm spending my time focused on? What is it that I'm spending my time listening, like, like just listening to or letting speak into my life? What is it that, that I'm growing more and more and more in love with as, as I go about? What are the things that, that if, if my habits and, and the rhythms of my life and the, and the way that I'm spending my time, what, what would that naturally lead me to love? And then we ask the question, how do we orient ourselves in a way that I said, I want to I do the kinds of things that, that lead me to grow in love for God, to grow in love for Jesus, to grow in love for, for what God is doing in my life, to, to give God the space to, to work. Right? To spend time with Jesus doesn't just mean that we, we have to spend hours and hours of time just, just reading our Bible and praying, but it says, what does it look like for me to go about my day spending time with Jesus, to, to enter into conversation, to enter into the workplace, to enter into our parenting or the relationships that we have, and we say, what does it look like for me to spend time with Jesus in this context? What does it look like for me to bring Jesus with me in, in, in this context or to spend time with him in this context, to, to be present in this moment, but to, to have an eye on Jesus in the midst of this process, to spend time with Jesus. So we follow Jesus, we, we come and we see, we focus our attention, we spend time with Jesus, so we grow in affection. And then we tell someone, right? This is Andrew saying, I have this, this kind of short list in my mind that, that this person that I've been waiting for, this, this person that I've been, been looking for, this Messiah that I've been waiting for, once I find him, I'm going to connect others with him. This idea of, of telling someone, saying, what does it look like for this to shine through, for my story to, to be told? And so to ask ourselves the question, who is it that's on my radar? Who is it that God is calling me to, to, to bear light for, to, to, point, to, to point to God? Right? That, that Andrew, the, the practice that, that he demonstrated for us as we look at this story is that, that he had a short list of people that, that were on his radar to, to say, well, once I find what I've been looking for, once I find what it is I've been waiting for, I know who it is that, that I'm going to reach out to as I, as I experience that thing. And so for us to prayerfully say, God, who is it that, that I could bear light for? Who is it that, that I could help connect? Who is it that I've got the relational capital with that, that, that would allow me the opportunity or give me the opportunity to have a front row seat as, as they get connected with you? God, what does it look like for me to be a person who's not just connected with you, but, but actively works to connect others with you as well? Who's on my short list? And we make that list, prayerfully make that list of the people that are within our, within our sphere of influence, within our arm's reach. And then we pray that God would give us opportunity to bear light, right? We pray that God would give us opportunity to, to, to make that connection, that maybe he has to do a work in us to, to grow us in courage or, or in attention or, or whatever it is, but, but say, God, what is it, what is it gonna take? God, would, you, would you make it clear that, that, that this is the opportunity or this is an opportunity to make the connection? 
And so we live our lives purposefully saying we're going to follow the light that, that wherever the light is dawning, wherever the light is breaking through the darkness, we want in on that. To live this life as, as disciples of Jesus, as followers of the light. 